0: What can we do to fight back against big pharma and the compromised medical industry? We can become healthy and break free from the perpetual cycle of being poisoned by criminal organizations like most pharmaceutical companies. Come check out what may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man C60 Purple Power. The benefits of C60 have been personally outstanding. I use it every day and I feel incredible. I have tons of energy, I sleep great, and I haven't even come down with a cold since I started using C60 over two years ago. You can even get C60 for your pets. Do your own research, click the link in the description, and check out their website. If you order from that link or use coupon code KNOWLEDGE10, you get 10% off your order Plus free shipping. What is your health worth to you? This is an episode of Raised by Giants. If you enjoy it, you can listen to all their content at ForbiddenKnowledge.news and all podcast platforms. Just click the link in the description to get access to all their content now.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to Raised by Giants, where we talk all things spirituality. I'm Ryder Lee. Today's guest is Wayne Steiger. Wayne is a philosopher, researcher, educator, spiritual teacher, and visionary on occult and esoteric studies and many other topics. He dives into everything from cryptozoology, extraterrestrials, magic, AI, ancient history, mythology, and much more head over to Wayne's YouTube channel to check out his work. The link will be in the description. Hello, Wayne. It's a plain pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? Doing fine, Ryder. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, my brother. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I've always really been drawn to uh, people like yourself, you know, people that, that question, uh, help others question people's reality. You know, I I had a teacher in high school that really um, did that for me. They kind of initiated me in in this in this process, and I think that you found a really good balance in there of really helping people question what's going on, but without actually giving them the answers. You know, because I think that's uh, a really big key in being a philosopher is not actually giving people. the the answers or or the solution. Yeah, you can give people, you know, your opinion and and what you think, of course, but I think the the important thing is making them question and having them figure it out on their own, right?
2: I agree with you. I think that if you start telling people what they're supposed to be finding, well, you have a cult and you don't have, you know, an individual's journey. I look at my role many times as just like being a signpost, you know, you can point them to, well, that road's possible there and let them make the decision.
1: Yeah. I've really been drawn to people like that, you know, cause it's, uh, I think it's important because everything that's happening is kind of just projecting a very narrow view of reality, you know, and it's narrow very different. Sure. Yeah. Very narrow. And it's difficult for people to expand their mind and expand their consciousness. Cause they're so, uh, engulfed in this illusionary reality that's been projected upon uh you know everyone right and uh um so let's get into a little bit about your uh your background and what got you uh going down this path and what really got you into doing the uh esoteric uh studies and uh getting into um uh the occult
2: yeah and and it's it's been a journey um I'll be 66 this year. So uh, I look back on it and I'm still, you know, the 22 year old that I always was. And, you know, I've been on my own since about uh, 15. I was um, kind of came out of a real abusive situation but the state of Texas saw in their wisdom to emancipate me at the age of 15. So I've been on my own for a long time and, it my life uh, has been so favored of being in uh, specific times where change was really self evident. Uh, for instance, in 1970, uh, America, like much of the other world, was going through a social, um, I don't know, evaluation. And so our social. Norms were changing, and in that time, there was Woodstock. There, we you know I was uh, a hippie, but I did a lot of surfing in my time. But um in my youth, I I had a very unusual youth. I didn't have any supervision at a very young age. Um, got into, I, I was a uh, um, a lab rat, I guess is what you say. I was a volunteer for a an experiment that was run by. Um, a Texas research uh, facility where I was taught Transcendental Meditation while taking um, LSD. And it was during that time that LSD does what it does and it, it, it opens up uh, areas of the brain that most people would not have access to. And so long story short, I was exposed to many different beliefs, uh, Christianity, Hinduism, uh, Satanism, um, saw a broad band of that, uh, was uh, taught by an Indian shaman, uh, began to understand the higher ways of thinking, and as my life went on, um, I got kind of basically into technology. Uh, I was in the film and video industry for nearly 20 years, Uh, And from there, I got into software, design software, and then uh, I had a point in my life in about 2011, right there, Yeah, it was about then, that there was an awakening that took place within me, and uh, the veil, the scales of my darkness fell off and began to realize that everything that I had built as my core beliefs were predicated upon an illusion and a merely a thought form with no foundation of reality. And here I am a decade later, um, I I am a um, ferocious reader, uh, and with my experience as a lifetime, it has parlayed into now a teaching that, well, it allows me to question everything and, you know, uh, and enjoying the journey. And there's a lot of other people that I have met, fortunately, as yourself, that have added to that journey. So that's where I'm at. Uh,
1: let's talk a little bit about, because um, you mentioned Christianity and mm-hmm. Islam and Satanism and things in there. Um, what was that really like for you? Because correct me if I'm wrong, I think... Believe that you were an uh, ordained minister at one point. Uh, Still, am <laughs> right. So, how when did that uh, switch really flip for you? That that um, this this Christianity, this uh, organized religion, is uh, just an illusion that's been you know put out there. And the more that people feed into that illusion, the more that they see it and create it in their reality.
2: Yeah, I, I got kind of caught up into the, the lie that um, um, that in order to be spiritual, you had to be religious, and I got really, I was really into the, what they call uh, the charismatic movement. Um, you know, I was a part of, uh, I went with Rhema Bible College with Kenneth Hagan. Uh, was very much involved with Kenneth Copeland and the whole Word of Faith uh, movement. It was the prosperity movement. And, uh, you know, we believed in the laying on of hands, raising the dead, speaking in tongues. I still speak in tongues. So, being a part of that, you get really into it. I, uh, My uh, ex-wife, her and I, we were into a prison ministry, a hospital ministry, a street ministry. I was into the deliverance of casting out demons. Uh, so I saw the full gamut. Uh, I knew people. I was uh, with Joyce Myers before she ever was Joyce Myers. Um so I know these people I know the religion extremely well because it dictated nearly 50 years of my life in my beliefs and when you find out it was all built on a deception you know for myself uh my wife will tell you that I I literally uh fell down in the uh the living room in a fetal position because it so wrecked my core of what I perceived reality to be Mm -hmm. that it was literally, it was, it was as, uh, it was as equated to almost death itself. And when I recovered and it wasn't an easy recovery, you know, because when you, when you shatter the main core, uh, you have to rebuild from scratch. And so this time I decided that before I accept any belief system, I'm going to vet it out. And the problem with Christianity, converts, and that's what it is, converts. It's a con to virtue. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the term, convert, um, is that they never do the background check. They merely accept at face value some person standing on an elevated platform called the pulpit, which pulls you into the pit, and you believe every word that's being said. And then you go out and you get your Bible. Here's mine. This Bible here is 39 years old. It is the essence of everything that I had, and I was ferocious on my study. But the thing about it was I only studied what was approved to be studied. All other was to consider to be heresy and was to be rejected regardless of the knowledge it may contain. And so, when I started rebuilding the core, uh, I vetted things out. And you know, when you vet them out, you begin to see where the deception came in. And it's a, it's a, it's probably one of the most intricate deceptions, um, that humanity has ever seen. And it, it, it so impacts after it was brought into reality, into this reality, here we are 1700 years later and we see the result of it. It is a religion of hate, and that's the only thing that has ever come out of it. But we have been deceived into believing that it is the message of light.
1: 100%. And I think you said something really important there, that that I think we have to really look closely at the words that we use and, and the words that we say. Right, because I think uh, that we're casting spells uh, with our words. I mean, if you think about it, how do you even read words? You first have to spell them.
2: You have to spell them, right?
1: So, so much is coded in our terminology. Some of the most popular ones are, you know, uh, tell a vision. Uh, well, you know, whose whose vision are you telling? You yeah. uh, know, his his story. Whose story are you telling? I mean, we can go on really for, for hours with that. But my point is, is people don't even realize uh, what words and, and our language even means because the way that we speak and talk have been so normalized. So if you take that concept, right, and apply it to uh, the word God and, and devil, if you literally just add an extra O to God, you get good. You know, mm-hmm. if you take the D off of devil, you get evil. Right. So could it be that the Bible is actually just a big huge story about good and evil? One, you know, big parable. You know, I think it kind of seems to be looking that way. But again, the followers of the Bible want to take everything in there so literally, you know.
2: But then, then but you see, they're not, and that's where I I, I can because I as an ordained minister, I can I hold my own very well. Um, they what they don't understand is that their Bible is really here. It is. It's the. It's a, Here's the question I ask Christians all the time, writer. I said, "So you're a Christian, right? Yeah. This is the Word of God, right? Yeah. Word of God. I said, so show me in this Word of God where it names the Christian God.
1: Hmm.
2: Can anybody? I challenge anybody, Old Testament, New Testament, show me in Scripture, word for word, and, you know, this one's marked up for 37-plus years, uh, where, the Christ, where the Christian God is named.
1: And yeah, not only that, the, the word Jesus wasn't even spelled or pronunciated like it is today until, what, 1150 or so? Because the letter J didn't even exist. 1614 uh, so, yeah. to be exact. Yeah, um, so like when the Bible was when was the Bible said to have been written what fifty to hundred you know A.D. So you're talking at least what was it called
2: Here's the greatest illusion. What was it called? It was never called the Bible. It was the Latin Vulgate. Never a Bible. This is bibble. This is mm-hmm. bibble. Confusion. This is what Bible means. It's bibble babble. And people get so wrapped up, you know, people say, well, are you saying you don't believe in God? And I just looked at him. I said, which one? Well, there's only one God says who? Well, says the Bible. Well, I'm going to have to say that you're either ignorant or you're a liar because actually this Bible, it actually has over 200 plus gods in it. So Mm -hmm. which God are you talking about? I'm confused. And uh, people say, what do you mean 200 different gods? Well, I can tell you the 72 names of Yahweh. (laughs) Each one of those are a deity within itself. And then we can really start getting into the whole Mesopotamian line. I mean, yeah, how far do you want to go? How about the Egyptian gods? Mm -hmm. If we were to include just the Egyptian gods and the Babylonian gods, there's your 200 right there.
1: Exactly. and. A lot of people don't even realize where the term Messiah even, even really comes from. It's actually uh, roughly around 6,000 years ago, uh, they worshiped this deity in Egypt called Mesh, M-S-S-H. This deity was a uh, reptilian snake god, right? And, and later on, when, when vowels were invented, Mesh was turned into Messiah, and was inserted into all the world's religions and all of the messiahs of the world, you know? I mean, what does messiah even mean, right? It just means anointed with oil. It doesn't mean savior or deliverer or messenger. So basically anyone anointed with oil can be a messiah. Yeah. So you're talking about a bunch of different messiahs from a bunch of different religions that are being worshipped today and are worshipping a reptilian snake god called Mesh.
2: It gets even stranger. I mean, um, you know, I have this pseudo-apocrypha. I mean, if you go back and you study, actually what Christianity is, is just a, um, it's amalgamation of many different beliefs. When they were trying the new religion out in Rome, uh, the first three gods didn't work. And that's the problem with the religion is that, you know, and, and even today, the Vatican with the calling with the Vatican II Council is that the, the subject is going to be to rid the Old Testament from the Bible. The Old Testament proves to be a real problem now, because if you say you're a Christian and I say, well, who's your God? And then you're going to say, well, Jesus, no, Jesus never was a God. Jesus said he came to bring violence, to separate with the sword. So well, who's your God? Well, it, it goes back to the garden. I said, well, who's that God? Well, is, is, it, is it the God of the Old Testament? Oh, so you're telling me uh, of an ancient hebraic uh, God that is a bloodthirst God. I mean, this God in the Old Testament is a murderer, rapes women, has, is an incest, commands his followers to commit murder and genocide, and, and demands blood as a means for appropriation of the separation that he claims is here. But the problem is, is where did he come from, begin with? But all right, I digress. So you can't answer to me because if you got the Old Testament God, well, that's, that's, a, that's an evil God. I mean, that God is a bloodthirsty God. It's a legalistic God. So how can it be your New Testament God? All we know of the New Testament, they give us ambiguous term, Father as a title who and what, you know, they asked Thomas Jefferson what he thought of the Bible and he, of the new Testament specifically, he says, well, he says, I guess it's a matter is to decide which God you really believe in Paul's or the four gospels. So anyway,
1: just laid it out there right there for you, you know, yeah. and I'm sure, I'm sure you've read the, the book nailed 10, right? Where, where they talk about how basically, um, uh, that the entire New Testament was basically just written by the, the Roman Empire. I think that that's why it's such a big uh, contrast between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, because the New Testament is just a complete fabrication.
2: Do you know who the New, New Testament God really is? I'll tell you. You see, we got this cat here. This is Josephus's work um and no one no one stops and looks at it and says this is Josephus's complete works and they give his full name his legal name is Flavius Josephus now you look at Christians and you tell them that and they just go huh well well you know Josephus was the historian and he he said that there was the Messiah God Jesus he saw him no no what you actually saw there was a forgery by jerome jerome who's jerome well he was a forger that uh when he was converting it from the uh greek and ancient hebrew into latin where he came across isaiah 14 where he inserted the word lucifer a made-up word Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden now we've got a real bad guy but my whole point to all this so the real god of the new testament is vespasian And how we know this because his son Titus, who's Titus? Well, Titus was the one who laid siege to Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and marched the Nora and all the other sacred occult of the ancient Hebrews into Rome. Well, how did he get that information? Well, he had an inside spy called Josephus. And anyway, when Vespasian was taking care of the wars in what we call Judea, Palestine, Um, he got called, uh, I'll give you the background. So Josephus was a renegade general of the Jews. Well, Vespasian surrounded him and was about to cut his head off. What Josephus said, said, dear Caesar, you know, I beg for mercy. And Vespasian said, how dare you call me Caesar? He says, no, God can be called Caesar. Who's not a God. And Josephus says, but I will tell you this within the year, you will be God. And so Joseph, so Flavius, I mean uh, Vespasian, took Josephus to Rome, and this is where Josephus wrote this account, the Jew wars and the antiquity of the Jews. In that time, Vespasian dies. Now, Titus has taken over his father's position in Judea. He is building the wall around Jerusalem, This started in 67 A.D., when Vespasian died, it was Titus who petitioned the Rome Senate to elevate his father to Caesar, a god, and they did. So Vespasian, we read his works all through the four Gospels, and then we read about the one agent that was sent from Rome, which we call Paul. And there you have the conspiracy
1: yeah that's uh i really (laughs) that's that's amazing um i think that a lot of i kind of refer to the bible as like a a a greatest hits album of like all the different religions because it just has all of it in there you know and this this up this video probably triggered a lot of people already just just watching it (laughs) but but really where is the religious aspect of the Bible? Where, where is even the spirituality in the Bible?
2: There is none, that's the illusion. Um, so what really started cranking me up was that when um, George Smith in 19, um, he first discovered it in 19, 1889, when George Smith discovered the first Sumerian tablets. And for the next 50 years, we found hundreds of thousands of these tablets. And when you have people like Dr. Noah Kramer, one of the first persons to ever receive a PhD in Sumerologist. And I've studied both of his books. Uh, He teaches up in the University of Chicago. And what we began to find out that the Sumerian culture, which predates the Hebrews by some 2000 years, we found in their books the Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. That is where the, uh, Moses supposedly transcribed the story of creation from the Epic of Gilgamesh into what we call the book of Genesis. But here is the real clue. Throughout the entire Sumerian folklore in their gods and their deities, we find no Jewish God, no Hebrew God. We don't even find its name. We don't find anything about it. So how can you have Genesis 1-1, it says in the beginning? We don't even know which freaking God that is. Which God is? It's not the Jewish God, because Jews didn't exist. You see, what most people don't understand, there were the Hebrews. There were this, and they weren't even Hebrews. Because if you trace this back, the interesting thing, and this is where they get you we say, Christians say, well, we have Father Abraham, which is the link of our covenant from this Old Testament covenant to this New Testament covenant. Okay, well, who's Abram? No, I said Abraham, but you don't understand. If you read the story, Abram comes from where? Ur of the Chaldees. Ur is the capital city of Samaria. Now, we know about Abram because Abram, heritage is actually verified in the Sumerian tablets. We know that his family at the ziggurat that's in Ur, they were they worshipped the moon goddess Inanna. Mm-hmm. So the story gets fairly weird that here you have Abram who's worshipping Inanna, the highest god. This is above all the gods. And this is the other thing. They're monotheistic in their fact that they're matriarchal. No man can give birth to uh, anything. But anyway, so Abram supposedly sojourns over into outer Mesopotamia in the Western lands and supposedly meets this deity that comes from the air and tells Abraham that the only way that he can communicate with him is by Abraham slaughtering a cow, in this case, a bull, laying it side by side so that the blood forms a gully. And the only way that can happen is that Abram has to walk through that blood and then have this God called Yahweh and Elohim to come down and consume that sacrifice in order for them to have a covenant. What? <laughs> and from there, you're giving me this?
0: This? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that your body and well-being are being continuously threatened by something you don't even see? That threat is based on electromagnetic radiation, or e-smog. On an average day, you get exposed to 20 to 40 sources of negative EMF, such as your Wi-Fi router, Bluetooth headphones, cell towers, even the dirty electricity hidden in your walls. This radiation creates a long list of problems that impact your everyday wellness and well-being. Check out the Centropics Bubble. The Bubble is a breakthrough miniature active neutralizing frequency device that literally fits in your pocket. The Bubble uses EMF radiation protection, which makes positive electromagnetic frequencies that are aligned with your body and the Earth. The bubble is programmed and charged by impulses from a specifically developed bioresonance radiation technique. Frequencies that counter interference fields, known as electrosmog or electromagnetic pollution, are recorded as information by the bubble. Best of all, you can take the bubble with you wherever you go. Rediscover the joy and wonderful passion of being alive and reclaim your vitality and energy. Just go to getthefrequency.com or click the link in the description to get your Centropics bubble today.
1: It's interesting that you said that uh, they were worshiping the the moon, right? Because uh, Jordan Maxwell has really laid out a lot of uh, this religion uh, stuff. He's decoded a lot of it. And and he says that the Jewish people are uh, lunar worshipers, right? That's why they operate by the lunar calendar and Christians are um, solar worshipers. That's why we solar. run by the, the solar calendar, right? So, I mean, even if you, when you look at it, you, you, you think, oh, well, when people say uh, amen at the end of their prayer, I mean, do people even realize what, what they're saying? Like, they're, they're literally giving their praise and, and their, their worship and their thanks to an Egyptian sun god Name Amon Ra, right? Names, are, back, so, names are so important in, in all of this. Would you not want to know the, the exact real name of the person that you're worshiping and giving thanks to, all right? So they basically have us worshiping a reptilian snake God and giving our thanks to an ancient uh, Egyptian sun God by saying amen at the end of our prayer. <laughs> it's incredible. And people wonder why everything's so screwed up and messed up. And why we have so much confusion going on in the world, because we're worshiping things that we don't even know, because we think that we're doing the opposite.
2: So when I used to attend the Kenneth Copeland Crusades, you know, and had this huge sign, Jesus is Lord. Well, Lord is a title, which literally, literally, you don't need to do the translation or anything. It literally, excuse me, says and means ball. B-A-A-L. So we have Jesus is Baal. Now what's even more, and and this is going to freak out some of your listeners, is that the United States of America worships Moloch. Hmm. And they started worshiping Moloch uh, in the mid-20th century. In fact, it's been here all along. Uh, Most people don't know that the Capitol, particularly the House of Representatives, is a temple. It was designed as a temple. And you have to ask them, what deity are they actually exalting there? Uh, They know that, so we have Lord Baal, but with abortion. The abortion is Moloch worship. And the ancient Hebrews used to do this, and the same did at the Canaanites, is that, uh, and by the way, Baal is Yahweh's brother. And by the way, your God of the, you say your God of your Bible had a wife, Her, her name was Ashtaroth, and you ought to find out what he did to her, but I digress here. So through the abortion process, where the blood has not been contaminated... Not contaminated by going through the birth canal, which is the veil. This is the blood that this Moloch is receiving today, and we're very good about that here in the United States.
1: Yeah, doesn't ball stand for something else too, like barium? Uh, well, aluminum. barium, aluminum.
2: But I go back to you know, you go back to the time of the Canaanites. It's and it's yeah, uh, the capital. From you go from the reflection pool to the monument to the capitol building is actually the ball symbol. Mm -hmm. I have a whole video where I lay this out. Uh, And then what's really interesting, in 2016 they did a worldwide uh, tour, particularly at the three power points, that's DC, London, Vatican, where they did the ancient Babylonian, uh, and it's the actual uh, arch, the arch of ball was on displayed on the um, the uh, in the, the United States Capitol on the mall. It was then the uh, place in London that actually controls all the money in the Vatican. Yeah.
1: So who do you think that uh, people are worshiping whenever they? Uh, because we always see the the Lucifer statue with his hand up, you know, doing that, but all of the deities even jesus has his hand up like that you Mm -hmm. know so who do you think um because if we we are worshiping something that we don't even know that we're that we're worshiping because it's been subverted on us and turned into something that's not then what do you think uh the the luciferian uh people or or the um what do you think they're worshiping
2: Well, uh, this is, by the way, the book of Baphomet. Um, Let me just tell you how I see it. And I did a, over on my channel, I did a video called Lucifer is not Satan. And when did Satan get a promotion? Um, So I challenge anyone. I put a thousand dollar challenge out there. It was never met because it can't be met. I challenged anyone to show me one scripture in this Bible Where Lucifer ever commanded one human to kill another human. In fact, I challenge you to show me where Lucifer ever commanded any human to harm another human. I challenge you to show me where Lucifer ever commanded a human to ever worship him. I command you to show me, not command you, I challenge you to show me where Lucifer in any way is responsible for dropping one drop of human blood. But I can show you the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible, the God of the New Testament. I can show you in literally over 66 different particular times where this God commanded the children of Israel to not only sacrifice human sacrifice, animal sacrifice, that as their reward in the book of Joshua, when they went into the Mennonites, that Yahweh commanded them to not leave one thing alive. He commanded them to cut the unborn fetuses out of the mothers. He brought in the single females whose diamonds had, had not been penetrated to be sold into, as for the soldiers, for sex slaves. This is the God of the Bible. Now, it gets more sicker to think that then you're going to have a human sacrifice Well, it goes part and parcel exactly what the Old Testament God will. And, and I'm challenging you, show me where Satan or Lucifer ever commanded anything like this. And then as part of your obedience and showing how you're so devoted, now you're going to take communion. And now you're gonna become a cannibal. You're gonna drink something that is the most profane thing for any human to do. Metaphorically, allegorically, it doesn't matter. You're drinking human blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And then you're gonna eat of my flesh. That, and, 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 and they did it so nicely that you think you're being holy. Now, mm-hmm. my final indictment on Christianity is how many humans have died in the name of Jesus when the sick religion first came in to today? Nearly a billion innocent souls. The torture that has been done in the name of Jesus, in the name of this New Testament God, is absolutely a to what it's done to human beings. So, yeah, I would say that we've had 2,000 years of what this does. It's nothing but death. And yet you buy into this thing that just wake, he's coming. Who is he? So I'm sorry. You get me on a rant on this. uh,
1: I love it. it. That's really what we need because I, I really feel like, religion just in itself has been the cause of so much. And the reason that everything is so screwed up right now, you know, is, is it's interesting. Cause I was writing a, uh, I was writing a book, uh, back, um, around a year ago, a little, little over a year ago. And the title of the book was going to be, uh, be the real you, uh, attack on the heart. Right. And and I was going to go through each chapter was going to be about uh, why everything is so screwed up, right? I had chapters on, you know, money. I had chapters on technology. I had chapters on the media. I had chapters on all of these different different things that keeps us from being authentic to ourselves, right? And the very last one there was uh, was religion, right? Because it has literally screwed up so many people. It's screwed up everything, right? And people don't realize it because they're so indoctrinated into it, right? They have these core beliefs that no matter what you say to them, they just can't shake it. Because again, it's like you said in, in the beginning that your entire life was turned upside down because Uh, that illusion was just shattered on you and it felt like you you know you that you had a death right that Mm. that you died and you had to be reborn and a lot of people they don't want to have to go through that process I think that's the most ingenious part of religion right it's because when you get them so tied down and attached to those beliefs it's it takes almost a miracle to get them outside of that you know and even when they do a lot of times they uh, keep going back to it, inadvertently or unknowingly.
2: You it's, know? it's hard. It it it's taken me a long, long time. I mean, and you really that the, the hardest thing is is facing the fears because Christianity, uh, Islam, um, these, and even Judaism, it's built upon the predication of fear, fear mm-hmm. of a spirit being. And what's, the, what's ironic about this is that you are a spirit being. So what they're teaching you is to be afraid of yourself. Mm. And so once that starts coming in, people revert to the safety of the religious belief because it's like a drug. It, it releases the endorphins in the brain because now I feel I feel safe. I'm in God's presence. Mm. And yet they could no more define you, God, than you know if their life depended upon it and so yeah it's it's when you have to walk out on the uh, the tightrope and there's no net.
1: And that's scary. That's super it is scary. It's scary. Yeah. scary to them. You know yeah. the 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 uh not having all the unknown in your life is, is terrifying for a lot of people but it just takes uh walking out there and just diving headfirst in have to you, you come out ten times uh, better on the other side. But let's let's kind of get back to the uh, the the Lucifer aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the roles were kind of reversed, and that uh, Lucifer was actually uh, there to benefit humanity and was on humanity's side, and uh, it was kind of because the ancient Sumerian text was is the exact same dichotomy with Inky and Enlil.
2: Yeah, yeah. In fact, I yeah. think it's uh, Enki that's actually substituting today for the Abrahamic mm-hmm. gods. I'm convinced of that. It is Enki, uh, because he's the prankster. He, he, he's the guy that's going to deceive everybody. But let's get back to Lucifer. Um, I believe Lucifer is female, feminine in origin. Um, if you take the book of Proverbs and you go through the first three chapters of Proverbs... Proverbs describes Lucifer as a woman, as a female. In fact, Lucifer is teaching God. It's exactly what it says. I, wisdom, was at the foot of God, and I was his daily delight, and I taught him. I mean, I'm just quoting what the Scripture says. But we have been indoctrinated because of the matriarchal, uh, patriarch, excuse me, of uh, uh, the fact that it's 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 male. What we don't understand when you read what Solomon was saying, well, that's not the case. And so if Lucifer does exist, Lucifer is Lilith.
1: 100%. And it would make sense that if Lucifer is a feminine aspect, they would want to stomp that out because all of our, all the feminine, feminine, divine feminine, gives us all, all of our spirituality, basically, you know, our intuition, you know, uh, and if they can get rid of that, then, that would make sense, you know?
2: Um, I'll, I'll enlighten your audience here in a little story. Um, my family name has a very personal relationship with Lilith. Uh, one of my relatives back in Germany actually, well, he, he took his own life uh, because he, was, he had performed a ceremony. But here's the point. I got the book, The Libra Lilith. And it's probably one of the oldest books known to man. It's been authenticated. Uh, We know that John Dee, the great magician of Queen Elizabeth's reputation, had a copy of the book. It was uh, actually stolen from him, from his library. But this book goes all the way back to, we know that Origins, one of the founding fathers of Christianity, had the book. In fact, when Origen finished the book and began to meditate on it, uh, Origen castrated himself in the public square in Alexandria. Uh, We know that Saul of Taurus had this book, the Liber Lilith. Uh, It is said that it originated from Lamech, that Lilith uh, dictated this book to Lamech, who was, of course, Noah's father. So. When you read Lilith's account of who Yahweh is, you begin to find a whole different story. And, you know, for instance, in the Old Testament, the Hebraic God says, I am a jealous and vengeful God, says that repeatedly. But the host of heaven accuses this God and says, or who are you jealous of? Your God. What could you possibly be so debased in an ego to say that you were jealous? And Lilith asked the question why would a God want worshipers? Why? You're telling me that if I read the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus says to God, the Father, he only says Father, he says, Father, I am in you, you are in me as we are in them. Mm. They are in us. Implying equality. So if you're equal in equality, I didn't say this, there Jesus did. Why would I worship myself then? Mm. Is that not the epitome of evil? The ego? You're not good enough. You're a sinner. You can never be good enough. You were born in sin and you're going to die. And yeah, you see where this whole thing goes, but Mm -hmm. wait a minute. You told me that I was equal with you. It's like Mike Pence. You want to talk about hypocrites. Uh, This Mm -hmm. is what gets me about this stuff is that you proclaim you have the Christian banner out there yet. Then you're a liar. Or a hypocrite, or both, because Jesus said, I didn't say it again. Jesus said in the 11th chapter of Mark that if you did not forgive and forget, your heavenly Father will not forgive or forget you of your sins. So, who's the liar here? It's a lying religion. No one can ever meet the qualifications of it because it's a perverted religion that you're always going to be upside down in the deal. Whereas Lucifer, Lilith, never makes any demands. Mm. The only thing I've ever found about Lilith is that she says it's the thing that what Yahweh did by restricting the knowledge to us. And this is how the church, the Vatican, going into the Protestants, and Protestants are protesters, that's all they are, that now we turn paganism into evil. Well, that's of the devil. Mm. Which devil? Well, you know, and oh, so you teach the occult. You're gonna burn in hell, Steiger. Well, now wait a minute. What does a cult mean? Hidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. So wait, let's so see. So your God is all about being ignorant, whereas I've only seen Lucifer. Oh, it reminds me. It too, right? Doesn't the Catholic Church in their dark mass prayer worship Lucifer and acknowledge that Jesus is his son? That Jesus is Lucifer's son. Hmm, so who are we worshiping? Hmm. See, I contend that the Christianity today is worshiping a deity they have no idea about. Because, you see, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, if you conjured a spirit, that was, or if a spirit inhabited you, but yet in Christianity, I'm supposed to be possessed by this thing called the Holy Spirit. That didn't exist until really about 400 A.D. Never existed in in Judaism. Never implied, never was. So, yeah, I'm sorry I took this, but there you go. Long no, answer. To 100%.
1: Me. I mean, we know that uh, Christianity took a bulk of their uh, beliefs from paganism. Oh, most yeah. of them. I think what a, what a lot of this really comes down to uh, is that the gods are actually um, just planets, celestial bodies, and stars, you know?
2: Well, I have a book here that's really interesting, said that Jesus was actually female. Mm. And if I look at... Oh, you're
1: about to get a lot of people riled up with that one.
2: <laughs> well, because there's evidence that if a Jesus did exist, it was female. Yeah. Uh, Pistis Sophia, which is the Gnostic translation of Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary Magdalene was, many people think, in fact, Jesus. So, yeah, uh, but this is a great book, and I love it when, because this is cognitive dissonance. However, when you take a book like written by a mainstream Christian called The Search, this was written by Dr. Ron Charles, what he found out Was that there never was a Jesus? The name never existed. And here is the illusion, writer. I'm going to give your listeners a clue to this. So, all those who are all riled up about this, I I, I ask you let's look at history, actual history. So, who was Herod? Who was the Herodian family name? Well, Herod actually wasn't a bad guy. Herod, the first, um, knew that an educated population was the best. He actually instituted at, from the age of five till 17, all children went to school. They had to learn the basics of mathematics. They had to understand arithmetic. Why? Because look what Herod did at uh, Caesarea. It was known as the seventh wonder of the world, the architecture today that can't even be matched. That's why Rome loved Herod, because he had an educated population. Now, my question there so you have a cat who's claiming to be Messiah, who's supposedly raising the dead, doing all these miracles, and has all these tens of thousands of people who are all under Herod, but yet you don't have one single pitcher. They had artisans back then, they had very, they had trained in the classical Greek style. But yet we have no picture. But you know what we do have from 35 AD outside of Jerusalem? No. A pair of tits. We have <laughs> pornography. So apparently everyone loved to see the tits, but you can't seem to find one picture of a supposed messiah.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm just being honest. Yeah. This is what the architects, and then they want to go to Constantine, and that's a total that's that's a total mind-coitus job. Constantine was having sexual relationships with his mother. He killed his wife, him and his mother. I mean, but we don't want to talk about history, writer. So I'll, I'll hush up here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for the last
1: topic, I know uh, you got to get out of here soon, but um. I just want to get into a little bit of the the occult uh, practices, because I think when people really hear the term uh, occult, they think of the stereotypical witch, you know, the psychic doing a seance or people murdering and sacrificing animals in a ritualistic type of fashion. And I honestly think uh, that the term has been demonized and shrouded in darkness and made out to be bad and evil for a reason. I know that you said that that occult just means hidden, but maybe expand a little bit more on what the occult actually is and and what the the purpose of uh, occult knowledge really is.
2: Yes. um, In which meaning literally means wise woman, pagan meaning country folk, Uh, Again, occult meaning hidden knowledge, gnosis, hidden gnosis, gnosis meaning knowledge. Um, So we know that the elites, royalty, have always possessed a knowledge that the commoner, common man, never has had access to. We get it in the form of religion, but we have never known what the true gnosis is. That is why those who do acquire the knowledge, because the knowledge is always there. There is this thing called the Akashic record, uh, the Kashic record, and everything is written there. We're like it, we're in a simulation. So the computer program stores everything. And my, my experience with casting out demons as a Christian taught me a lot about the occult because I was dealing with these. these, Now I know who and what they were. Most of them are a part of the human psyche. We can actually create thought forms within us that we mistake these things to be demons. You know, they can talk in a different language. They can have superhuman strength, yada, yada, yada. They can tell you everything about your life. Well, of course they can, because it's you. Now, do I believe that there are, in fact, Uh, entities, yes. I contend that through the occult knowledge, we know that not all humans have a soul, that we're all not created from the same place, and that in the spiritual realm, one of my uh, mentors was Philo, Philo of Alexandria. Philo's was of the Alexandrians who had a covenant, a contract with the Herodians and the Flavians. And how we know that there was never a Jesus or a Messiah in Jerusalem was that Philo actually was there. Whoever wrote anything Mm -hmm. about an uprising, because the Romans would have never allowed it. So anyway, through every great purge, the first great purge being the burning of the Library of Alexandria, it is said that that was the genesis, of man's knowledge was burned. Now the scribes, the priest, they they did ferry off with pieces. The next great purge came in Constantinople. They said that the, the occult books, the knowledge, the Gnosis, that the river there ran black for days. So this knowledge is obviously very, very powerful, and it's apparently very sacred at the same time. What I have found is that I am a spirit being, and what we learn from the occult is how we are in this plane, this reality, this realm, but it's not alone. You and I are merely separated by a thin veil from those of other dimensions, those who have passed over. Philo says that there's not one space that's not filled with life energy, and so I realized that I'm about to be born again. You see, I was born into death when I came into this realm. This is, this is the death realm. People, We want to think that this is life. This is not life. This is the illusion. Death is a living spirit, but it's not to be feared, it's to be embraced. Without death, you'll never be able to make the transition. Because you are born into the death realm. When you're born through the birth canal, you're born through the veil of blood. That's what gives you precedence in this realm. That's why spirits can't transgress into this realm, because they're not born of the blood veil. And when you transcend, you're of another realm, another essence. We call it spirits. And that's why I got into it. I I was uh, at one time very early in my life. I met Anton LaVey, who wrote the Santanic Bible. There is a difference between what I would call Lilith and Luciferian and Santanic worship. San- Satanists are just, they're just drama queens, just like Christians.
1: Right, a front,
0: they're,
2: they're basically yeah, a front. It, it's, it's, its its It's absolutely asinine. Now, they really mm-hmm. believe in it, and mm-hmm. listen, hey, everyone to their own thing. Luciferians... Um, Luciferians are actually, the, they actually, our founding fathers, many of them were what we would call modern-day Luciferians. They were of the Enlightenment um, society. And so wherever Lucifer comes, there is knowledge, and this knowledge is powerful. And if you ever grasp it, it can literally change your life.
1: So why, why have they basically taken Luciferianism and equated it to blood drinking and, and human sacrifice and, and, uh, Well, they're just marrying
2: harvest and all that. They're just marrying Christianity. Everything you just said is what Christians do. Mm. Exactly what Christians do. That's the fraud. Lucifer would never have worshipers. She doesn't want them. Her what Lilith is about is advancement of this species. Listen, I challenge people all the time on this, writer. I say, listen, if you take the creation story, so what IQ was Adam born with? What IQ was he created with? No one answers that question. So let's just say that the story will give you 10,000 years in the creation, modern creation story. So let's just say Adam was born with an IQ of 100. Let's just say, so in 10,000 years, Adam lived to be a thousand years. Today we live less than a hundred. Adam had an IQ of a hundred. And if we go 10,000 years and if we advanced only by one IQ per year, we should be at above 10,000 IQ. But no, what we're seeing is the regression of our IQ today, where it's 101 right now for the average American. You don't tell me that something, no. No, no, no. This is one of the biggest frauds, one of the biggest deceptions I've ever seen. And it's staring right at our face. But no, we want to get on our knees and, you know, what are you getting on your knees to? I ask people all the time. So who are you praying to? I'm praying to God. Why? Because if you want to be very honest here, ladies and gentlemen, when you're praying, what you're really praying for is to a deity that plays the lottery. You may get your answer. You may not. If you don't, well, because there's a thousand reasons why. And in order for your prayer to be answered, if you do the calculated odd, as Stephen Hawkins in one of his great lectures said, that it would be basically one trillion to one that a God could actually bring any one single prayer to pass. Because think about it. You have to change everybody else's reality, all reality, in order to get your one prayer answered.
1: Mm hmm that's uh that's powerful um yeah and i think that a lot of us whenever we're praying uh we're actually just projecting that reality if anything we're giving ourselves that right mm-hmm. because i believe that we are all gods in ourselves
2: right? in fact that's what it says in the book of hebrews hebrews four twelve says did i not make you A little lower than the angels, but did I not call you God? Did not Jesus say in the book of Matthew, did not God call you God? So what we're doing, you're absolutely right. We're creating within ourselves. We have the ability to create. Most people go through their whole life never realizing that. And if you could ever get master that, you can bring into manifestation anything and everything you want. And you know what? The thing about it is, if you become a master at it, you don't want to be rich. There's no need mm-hmm. for you to be rich. Many possessions weighs the soul down. Knowledge will always lift you high. Anyway, one hundred percent. Thank you
1: so much, Wayne. Uh, that was amazing, and I hope a lot of people don't get too triggered by it. I mean,
2: <laughs> listen, you know, <laughs> I don't mean to start any controversy, but it's my opinion. It's just my opinion.
1: No, that's why I brought you on because I I feel the almost the exact same uh way as you and uh i think a lot of people just need to get past this whole religious indoctrination thing and and what you said in the very beginning is is that they only want you reading one thing to give you a narrow viewpoint of reality they don't want you reading anything out of it outside of it they don't want you to reading the Nakamadi library They don't want you mm-hmm. reading the book of john Right? No. They don't want you to even know about any of these things even
2: exist. They especially don't want you to know about the, the Sumerian tablets. No, and the Nag Hammadi is a great read. People seem to tell, listen, let me just set the record straight. I never said I don't believe in God. I believe that there's something above God. We call it creator. We call it thought. But a God is just merely the projection of a man's mind. And that's all it is. But you're free to believe whatever you want. If it, if it gets you there. Have at it. Yeah, that's what a
1: lot of people need to realize is that yeah. there's not one truth, right? There's mm-hmm. No one has a monopoly on truth, you know? Mm-hmm. Truth is relative to the person that's that's experiencing it, right?
2: I wrote the whole book of Proverbs, word for word, did a word study, and it took me six months. And what I found out in that study was that there were approximately 103 signs of a wise man there was 666 signs of a fool mm. <laughs> and yet we find 666 to be the number of man oh you think we got a clue there <laughs> yeah. it's just to show you that
1: everything's been been hijacked and inverted and, and turned upside down against this we're li- literally living in an upside down uniform you fairy tale land yeah we
2: really are I mean, it's bizarre out there.
1: And our intuition um, is basically gone, so we can't discern any of the information, so we just go with the easiest route.
2: Yeah, that's true. I said 660, It's six. it, it was not quite 660, except it did remind my brain's going, wait a minute, Steiger, but yeah, far more attributes of a fool than a wise man.
1: Thank you so much, Wayne. Uh, Thank zo- you,
2: Ryder. You're, you know, I want to tell you, I just, I enjoy your shows. I enjoy your presence, and uh, I hope to see you. you. Should be up there around ten thousand subscribers here.
1: I hope so. I'll keep working on it. Practice patience and persistence. Is yeah. what we'll speak
2: it into. To. We'll speak it into manifestation. Yeah
1: exactly uh can you uh share with people where they can find you and our uh, wayne bit-
2: steiger over on uh, youtube i do a radio show on thursday nights on artistfirst.com, uh 10 p.m eastern called the steiger perspective and that show is uncensored and uh i really am able to bring out the real truth while we can still do it um so yeah thursday nights
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Wayne. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on. And uh, all of the links to all of Wayne's info will be in the description. And uh, for everyone else, uh, thanks for watching and listening. Uh, Please be sure to hit that uh, thumbs up button and share, uh, subscribe. And remember that we're not only in a spiritual war, but a war on humanity. Stay aware, stay alert, keep loving your heart for everyone and stay safe out there. See you guys next week.